Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter as Jep at the T. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. Eagles back on track. They were actually pretty impressive against the Dockers in that second half. What are you thinking? Yeah, the Optus Stadium Eagles, they uh, they dominated that midfield, didn't they? And it was a, a pleasure to watch, but a bit worrying. Um, see what they dish up this week against the Hawks. Yeah, and just, just on uh, Perth teams there, if you haven't heard, uh, we've got a fixture change for round eight. Fremantle have flipped their game with Brisbane. They'll, they, have, they will fly to Brisbane this week and play at the Gabba in round eight, and that game will be reversed later in the year. And just to, again, as I mentioned in the solo pod yesterday, just to remain alert on fixture changes and just adapt as we go. Uh, the other thing that sort of came out today was uh, Thursday night team, so it's a positive. What are your thoughts on that, Jep? Oh, look, for us, um, with the bias of fantasy, yeah, we want it, and um, yeah, it's going to make things a little bit easier in one way, but in other ways, um, those laid outs are going to very much increase, and we're going to need that bench back up for sure. Yeah, so I do tweet out on my Twitter account the late changes. Obviously, they started to thin out when teams got announced the day before, so I expect them to bounce back up to um, several late changes per week. So that's something to keep an eye out there. VFL teams, you get a pretty good heads up if uh, players are named in the VFL, but do be aware that those VFL teams can change uh, on very short notice. And, yeah, so I expect late changes to go up. So, yeah, bench cover crucial going into the buy rounds and obviously for the remainder of the season. Okay, plus six podcast caps. If we tweet any podcast link that is sent out via Twitter, uh, you go in a chance with, to win a plus six cap. And we'll give small away at the midway point of the season. AFLRatings.com.au, fantasy content, injuries and other stuff going on there. So click on. And AFL Ratings Twitter accounts. Uh, plenty of information going out on there as well for your fantasy knowledge or I ask and return for the content, uh, likes and retweets. Remember this podcast between Jabba and I is focused on AFL Fantasy Classic overall ranking. We are recording this podcast on Tuesday night, May 4 and of course make necessary adjustments when news comes to hand. Okay, on to general questions, Jep. Uh, discipline needs to be maintained throughout the entire season. What are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the downgrade upgrade game is strong, and um, that's ideal, but it's not going to happen every week. You're going to have to cover injuries every now and then. And look, my rule is if I can't upgrade to um, to a premier that I really want, then it's a double downgrade week if um, if the talent's there. So um, yeah, got to remain disciplined. And, um, and stick to the plan. It's a long game. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, I'm in that situation for the last couple of weeks where I can't get to two significant trades that I need. So it, it's a downgrade choice and you just have to um, eat it. And you will make up rank at the end of the season, no doubt. Okay, not overspending can provide plenty of opportunities throughout the remainder of the season in a salary cap format. Your thoughts, Jeff. So just before you go, so not paying up 850k for a premium that you think is going to score well, and going for that underpriced premium, and we'll discuss a few options later down the track. Um, below 750k, break even less than 100. Uh, that's what I'm thinking there. What are your thoughts, Jeff? 
Yeah, look, it's it goes without saying you've got to um, pick the players that uh, at their lowest point. You know, uh, buy low, sell high, um, old economics theory. So that's um, yeah, that's very very much the plan for for most coaches. You get tempted, like I got tempted by Oliver a couple of weeks ago, well over 800 grand. Um, but the theory there was his run and, and ceiling would would cover that extra spend. Um, so it, it can be, you know, desirable and, and done here and there, but generally you're looking at the discounted premiums every week. Keep the in the, yep. Sorry, Jeff. In the, sorry, yeah, in the early rounds. You know, after the buy rounds, I think we can splurge a little and we've got those luxury trades a bit more, but in these earlier rounds, it's uh, discounted premiums. Yeah, keep the wheels in motion, and that is uh, banking cash if you can, uh, targeting those players who have fallen in price or you see as a good salary opportunity that will make plenty of cash and will pretty much need to be a top-ranked player for the remainder of the year, and that gives you opportunities towards the end of the year and throughout the remainder of uh, the buy period, etc., so you don't get stuck uh, taking a player that you do not want. So, yep, uh, be wise with your spend for sure. Okay, on to the buys again, Jep. Buy planning needs to be well and truly underway. Where are you currently at? Yeah, look, I, I've i got a bit of a spread and, and um, the, you know, the fantasy forum indicates the buys of each player pretty well. Um, but most of us would have round 14 players and, and sort of generally tending towards that with our primos. Um, but, yeah, it's I'm pretty happy where I sit. I think I've got a lot of round 12 buy players in my forward line, um, a lot of round 13 players in my midfield. Um, obviously, Gordon and Grundy are both round 14 buy players, and then generally in my defence I've got round 14 buy players too. So I've got the, the indicative plan um, set for the buy rounds with trades and, and sideways trades and upgrades and all that sort of jazz. So, yeah, we'll just um, keep keep pushing on and hope for no injuries and work to the plan. Yeah, I have uh, just out of that first buy period, once that's over, I have five uh, players on my target uh, spreadsheet. So uh, hopefully I can get to three of them, uh, if not minimum two, absolutely minimum two. Um, so that's uh, pending no injury issues and hopefully get a, we all get a, actually a clear run through that buy period uh, for upgrades and downgrades, yeah. But but certainly uh, five players on my radar to target that straight in after that first buy week. Uh, yeah, just plan out for a balanced approach uh, as we approach the buy period and obviously banking cash, I will be doing. All right, Jep, do you take heavy or likely heavy targeted ownership into consideration for the remainder of the year. So players that uh, will be a target of many across social media, we'll all across that and see what players are being targeted. There are some polls on Twitter. So you pretty much can guarantee what a certain uh, amount of coaches, top ranked coaches, will be targeting for the week. Do you take that into consideration at this point of the season through the buy period or towards the end of the year when you need to find a couple of point of differences? What are your thoughts there? Well, I definitely consider at the start of the season and at the end of the season. In the middle period, like now and during the buy rounds, it's it's the common sense. You know, what who I think is, is the best get, and um, I don't worry too much about 
other coaches and what they're doing. But for sure, when you're trying to climb rank at the end of the season, you go in those point of differences. Um, but for now, it's still all about earning money um, and get, getting those, maximising those points on the draw and, and um, you know, each individual player's um, month ahead, the look ahead. So that's all I consider. Um, I don't worry too much about other coaches right yep. now. Yep, don't mind that. Uh, not to overcomplicate the issue, uh, just to be different, just to be different. Uh, if you see a player that is going to be potentially a top-ranked player for the end of the end of the year, if it's uh, quite popular, that's fine. Jump in, and yeah, as we get towards the end of the season, when you need to make a couple of decisions based on where you are ranked, uh, then go for it for sure. And yeah, obviously before the start of the season. Okay, Jep, current assessments going to have a bit of a discussion here on Max Gorn. So just a, a couple of things here. Uh, radio interview on RSN this morning. Uh, he said he had to get up at 4.30 in the morning, Sunday morning. Uh, most teams, are do, well, all teams are doing charter flights at the moment. So he lives in Blair Gary. For those that uh, aren't in Victoria, that's down on the East Coast, and that's quite a drive to um, Melbourne Airport to catch that charter flight. If he lived in the city, it's probably, in, you know, and you know, wake up at 6 o'clock, 6.30 type of job. So he lives quite a way away. Long day for him. He said when he got into Hobart, he needed a nap. Couldn't have one because it's nearly game time. And he was quite fatigued. Uh, just over 70 points there for Gorn. Pretty lacklustre day. I did say in the solo podcast that um, Blundstone Arena is quite small, so he can be overlooked in chain position. So he just missed out. The Tomlinson injury did factor into where he was going to play. Uh, apparently, that he was saying that um, pre-game that he wanted to spend a lot more time on the bench there as well. Quite interesting that they were going to use him uh, through the bench to rotate. Uh, the development of Luke Jackson is quite interesting here as well. Uh, just refer to a quote one day before the start of the home and away season. Simon Goodwin, this, these were his words. Uh, we've always wanted to use Gorn a little bit more forward and with the development of Luke Jackson, that's going to enable us to do that. So just going back on before the season, what Goodwin said, they want him to use him more forward. Jackson is coming into play. It's impacting the scores just a little bit more. And one thing to finish off here, Jep, is that Gorn did say in the last couple of games that he made a decision within the game that he was struggling and then he made, he sent uh, Jackson in because his touch was so much better to take over his role. So that's quite interesting. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, look, I, we, all players have a bad game or, or an off game and um, I think that's just the case here for Gorn. I'm, I'm not reading too much into it. Jackson played amazing um, mm. and is developing very, very nicely. So they got a good one there and... Um, yeah, it's just what I need. You know, I think North Melbourne started the game really... Sorry, Melbourne started the game really slow against North. And then um, they were playing catch-up, and it was only till the start of the fourth where they ran over the top of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was probably a game where players, senior players like Gorn and the coaching staff and fitness staff sort of preempted a bit of swap in time on ground anyway for Gorn to manage him throughout the season. That's my my theory. You know, James Jordan hasn't had a lot of game time in recent weeks, but then all of a sudden, you know, it's, it it's picks up in this game against North Melbourne, and that was preempted, um, especially with Nathan Jones being the sub. So, 
Yeah, look, I'm not reading too much into the Gorn. It's great for non-owners to um to see him drop in price now and wait one or two more weeks and um and see if they can nab him. But um, you know, existing owners don't need to panic. Yeah, it's not an alarm bell right now, but I've certainly got my watch on uh, what Gorn's output will be. Uh, yeah, and just just referring where he started at 944k. Uh, most people preempted a drop in salary, and that's obviously occurred really quickly. And he's currently at 847k, and he's got a monster break-even of 156. So for those coaches without Gorn, uh, in a couple of weeks you're going to get a very healthy uh, price on Gorn. The other thing there is you get to actually have a little bit more of a look of what is happening at Melbourne. Okay, Jep, on to the next one, Aaron Hall. Now, we had a bit of a discussion on Jack Zeeble last week, and my theory is, is that to reduce opposition scorings, you hang on to the ball across half-back and refer to Carlton and Cade Simpson, Sam Doherty when they're going through a monster rebuild. Uh, we're in that situation with Jack Zeeble taking all the kick-ins. Now, Aaron Hall comes into the team, does take kick-ins, influences Jack Zeeble's score a little bit, so there's a bit at play there. However, Aaron Hall... Uh, he was much talked up uh, post-game by David Noble that they want to use him out of halfback a lot more and his foot skills and his line-breaking speed. So I think it is all positive here for Hall. Um, he did suffer a concussion there a couple of weeks ago, so there's no real injury history that I can see that is going to plague him this year. So it'll be just unfortunate if that does occur. But I think at his price and at his break-even, and for my theories correct for the remainder of the year for the Kangaroos. If they start, keep holding the ball across half-back uh, to prevent opposition scoring, I think he's a monster trade in target. What are you thinking? Absolutely no-brainer to trade in this week. Um, the way North Melbourne are playing and um, the way Hall has, you know, in the last few weeks shown what he can do in that role at half-back, it's just an absolute no-brainer. Then you add David Noble's comments post-game after Melbourne, and it just reaffirms the position. So bargain get, 575 grand, um, and yeah, it's it's got to be done. Okay, on to the next one, Sam Walsh. Now, his work ethic so far this year has been elite. I, I can't see any other players working from contest to contest at, at such a high level. Man, he is absolutely on fire. Now, what we've seen is a struggle to get a ceiling game early in the year, but now he's starting to hit those ceiling games. I think if you're an owner, you're on an absolute smash player in Sam Walsh. It's fantastic. It's good to see uh, from his point of view, being such a high draft pick, that he's actually paying dividends. But from a fantasy perspective, Jeb, he's on fire. Yeah, um, really, fantasy aside first, he the hunger's there. You can see from the get-go, and it and it doesn't lo- it doesn't lull at any point in the game. So I think when you're a young player, you you sort of have some low points in in terms of desire for the to win the contest and and the actual possession and getting to the spots. Where Walsh has used his first two years of learning that, and he's consistently, consistently, like you said working his butt off to get to the spots and get the ball um, and use it as well as he can for Carlton's benefit. So, yeah, he's going to be in our fantasy teams for a very, very long time in future years. Um, you know, that's that next generation coming through, the accumulating types. Um, 
and he's got the keys to the car as such with the role in the midfield. So nothing's changing in in terms of that. I think I counted probably five or six times where Cripps got the hard ball out, handball straight to Walsh, Walsh kick. You know, it it was um, pretty clockwork. So it's whether they can sustain it, Carlson and, and Walsh as well. So uh, his centre bounces have declined a little bit over the previous weeks, but that doesn't matter. Him playing on the outside is actually a benefit to his game. So once the ball gets on the outside, he can work from contest to contest, as I said. And good luck to Agony. If, if teams want to go to him, good luck, because you're not going to. There's not many players who could actually go with him. So I think those are on Sam Walsh. Uh, that's great. So on to the next young player. Uh, developing quite well into his career, Hugh McCluggage. Now, Lockie Neal goes down with his injury, ankle injury, but McCluggage was already starting to score well, and he has continued that with Neal going out of the side. Uh, what are your thoughts on McCluggage there, Jip? Yeah, amazing. Um, last few weeks, he, he's one of those gut runners, isn't he, that's sort of suited to going from 16 minutes a quarter to back to 20 minutes a quarter like we are this season. And... Um, yeah, he's it's obviously paying dividends for his form and for fantasy owners as well. It's one I'm definitely looking at, but um, a bit of that awkward price is quite expensive now, And um, but would love to have him on my team for sure. Yeah, he's uh, scored 100 points or more in his last five games, and he's mm-hmm. averaged 117.2 points over the same period. And That's crazy. Yeah, it's been fantastic. And it's just the consistency of that, isn't it? Like to me, any yeah, it's one premium, after the other. Yeah. Yeah, it, you just know what you're going to get from him, and that's reassuring. And that's what I look for in a primo. Um, so yeah, might need to rethink my trades this week. 106 average on the season, but yeah, 117.2 from his last five. Okay, onto the Gold Coast Suns. They are in uncontested mark heaven, and they played the Magpies last week, who are giving up the most uncontested marks this year. So that was a smash play for those who started um, most Gold Coast players. So two of the players there that are hitting consistent ceiling games, uh, for one, Brandon Ellis, 169 points on the weekend. He was fantastic, and just he had no real matchup against Collingwood. Collingwood a pretty soft matchup and through that midfield at the moment. They, they are giving up plenty. And the other one there is Took Miller. We know he's got a ceiling already. Uh, they're not really a, haven't really been a target for fantasy coaches previously, but I guarantee you, Gold Coast is scoring quite a number of fantasy points this year. I think Brandon Ellis, now these guys are at elevated prices now, so it's something you need to take into consideration. You're going to be paying up premium dollar for this. But Brandon Ellis and Took Miller should be on the radar, Jet. What are you thinking? Yeah, for sure. Um, they play the fantasy game, don't they? They play possession football. So it's it's ticks some huge box in that sense. For me, I think the problem with both players in the past, again, is consistency. Have they been able to do it week in, week out? Or do they have one or two games where they're off a bit and they score a 70 and, and the like? So um, Gold Coast are very much on the improve. So I would expect and I'm pretty sure both of them are in the leadership team at the Gold Coast Suns, so I would expect those two players to be consistent going into the rest of the season for sure. Okay, on to some break-evens to target. We've got seven players this week that have a negative break-even. Okay, first off uh, at the top at minus 12 break-even, 241k, Martin Frederick. Uh, what are you thinking there, Jip? 
Oh, look, great player. Love love what he does on the field. I just can't trust the Port Adelaide Selection Committee and, and Ken Hinckley. Um, I don't know if he's going to play each week. And I've already, I still get nervous about Bergman and, and where he's at. So um, for that reason, I, I'm not going to touch him. Yeah, I'm pretty solid on Frederick. I think uh, Port Adelaide coaching crew are pretty trustworthy. They give out teams pretty early, so I think that's really good. So at least if there's any change, we're going to know in advance, generally speaking. Uh, he's been pretty solid across half back. Just on Bergman there as well. Yeah, he had slowed start, as I mentioned in the solo pod in the previous episode, and he got there very late and actually put up a pretty nice score in the end. But yeah, like Frederick, uh, I still think he's a pretty good trade target option there. Ryan Burns, St Kilda, quite solid in his first game of the year, minus nine break even, 200 salary. What are you thinking, Jep? Yeah, not not convinced on his job security again. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, he did play a role as well. I just, yeah, I, I can see that team chopping and changing each week and he might be at the mercy. So um, it's a no for me for there. I, I, I got burnt. I picked Rantel and I've got McRae. Like many of us do, and um, how many can you I've, have? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's G the job security is the number one priority for me now, um, so I can't pick him. Yeah, I don't mind those comments there. Okay, the next one there, Jordan Sweet, he's in there. He's got a minus seven break even. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with his uh, place back in the team at any time soon, so it's just a hold on Sweet. Uh, do you agree with that, Chip? Yep, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Nick Bryan, uh, great debut for the Bombers. And he was quite solid uh, playing through the number one ruck position. He's got a minus four break even, 195k. However, Andrew Phillips is available pretty much to return this week. So I'm not too sure on his job security, but I thought he was fantastic. Jet, what are you thinking? Yeah, I thought he was really good. Mm. Um, and I think he keeps Phillips out of the team, personally. I, I'd, yeah, I'd I would be re- yeah, I'd be really surprised if they brought in Phillips over Brian. Um, no, I think he's got a lot to offer, and the Flynn to Brian trade is, um, is going to be a popular one this week. The only issue, Jep, on Nick Brian this week is versus Shane Mumford. The bruiser. So... Yeah, he could rip him up. <laughs> he could actually yeah, rip him literally. Up so um, yeah, they might protect him a bit, wouldn't they? Look, uh, for the long game, um, you would think Brian plays five plus more games. Yeah, I don't, in I, that sense. Well, that's right. If you've got still got Flynn on the bench, uh, you might actually get the equal amount of games for the remainder of the year. So I don't think that's that, such a bad call. What are you thinking there? Yeah, good. Yeah, when you put it like that, that makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay, next one, Harry Edwards for the Eagles. Comes in, plays a key defensive role. Actually did quite nicely. Minus two break even. Defensive role's not too keen on Jep. 194k, what are you thinking? Yeah, it's fine for the short term, but uh, McGovern and Barras are due back in a couple of weeks, so it's a two-week turnaround. Yeah. Three weeks max. Yeah. Oh, I, th- I thought he was quite good, and look, he's yeah. developing very, very nicely. Um but yeah, it's it's the how long do you need him for? How long do you want him for? Type thing. He's not going to generate that much cash in two weeks. Correct. So yeah, pass for there for me as well. Uh, yeah. Rolly Collier Dawkins, uh, fantastic debut. So minus one break even, 193k. Now the thing about Damien Harwick and Richmond, they only play players that are ready to step up to AFL level. Now 
Colin Dawkins has had to wait a quite a long time to make his debut. He comes in uh, last week, and he was actually really good. So the other thing there at play is Trent Cotchin has done his hamstring. He's likely out for, they say, probably two weeks, but it's probably going to extend out to four weeks and going to be conservative with him. Prestia did have a uh, calf setback, but he's on the radar to return when he's fully fit to go. I think the job security for Collier Dawkins is quite strong in the short to medium term, Jeff. What are you thinking? For me, it's a very strong play this week for trade target. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's definitely a, a likely trade in for me too. I, I like him a lot. I've followed him for a number of years now, and what I like about rookies the most, whenever I look at a rook, the first that I always look at is tackling and tackles. Mm. And Collier Dawkins isn't renowned for tackling. Yeah. Okay, so he's he should average if he's going to get that many centre bounces and be the highest centre bounce player or midfielder for Richmond, he minimum five tackles a game. So there's 20 point head start, yeah. in my opinion. So it's a no brainer for me. I like the job security only due to the Cochin injury. Otherwise, I'd probably be a bit, be a bit more nervous. He'll have his work cut out against Geelong this week. Big-bodied midfielders in there. There's no shabby players he can sort of get around or he's got to face the big boys and we'll see how he stands up. But, um, yeah, uh, very much a a good cash cow. And a premium role inside midfield. So uh, you you can't ask for much more uh, from a player at this point of the season when we're looking to downgrade to a certain type player so roll job security looks good uh, it's going to make some cash and he can score so all good for me uh, the other one there is minus one break even 193k matthew owies or owies however you pronounce that uh, i thought he was fantastic against essendon but essendon do give up uh, quite a lot of scores uh, he did hit the scoreboard i quite like him uh, for me it's pretty much if you've got collie dawkins already i would probably be looking at uh owies or owies and then uh, for a trade target, what do you think of Jeff? Yeah, I liked the, what he did in terms of role for Carlton. I thought he gave him some grunt and just some energy, um, which they can lack. And he let up a few times, gave out a couple of quick handballs and was pretty clean. And yep. there's that solid. role. Yeah, there's that role for him there again. So, yeah, I think he's a pretty safe trade-in option again. I just... The scoring potential is not there, so he's bench cover. For me, he's not a starting player on your 22, but nevertheless, um, yeah, you could bring him in and he should be good for about four to six weeks. Okay, Jeff, premium plays to target. We talked about this earlier in the podcast, those plays to target that are underpriced or quite a lot of value and a break-even of less than 100. So less than 750k and break even less than 100 as i mentioned so going to roll off a few players here just a quick comment from each uh ben keys 742k break even 78 got a big midfield role inside midfield role scoring quite well at the moment however rory sloan is on the radar to return i still like keys what do you think of jip yeah i think the sloan impact and how that influence his output is um is nerving me so it's a no from me for now Okay, so on to Rory Sloan. Now, he had that eye injury, but when he was ruled out, he's down at 620k, and he's got a break-even of 66, Jeff. I think he's a target. What do you reckon? Yeah, look, the the role's there, obviously. Um, it's what he can score and what he can de- deliver consistently. So, 
as I understand it, the eye injury didn't stop him from running um, too much, so he's been able to keep the Ks in the legs, and he should hit the ground running straight away, especially in the showdown, which there's obviously um, that rivalry there to at play. So I expect him to, to be pretty damn good. Um, for me, um, I'm pretty set in the midfield, so he's not looking right now, but... Um, yeah, it's. I wouldn't. If someone asked me advice and bringing in Sloan, I wouldn't be against it. Yeah, I like him. Like him a lot. Okay, the next one talked about Tom Stewart previously. Defenders can average a flat uh, score over a period of time. Tom Stewart was one of those. Still putting up pretty consistent scoring, though. Uh, break even to 98, 725k. I do like Stewart. What are you thinking, Jeff? Yeah, look, I don't mind Stewart. It's. Um, there are. Just better players with a better ceiling. And I know he, he's a classic junk time player, but sometimes he can go missing and then get a couple of kick marks at, in the last quarter and, and score a reasonable 95. And people go, oh, yeah, great. You know, Tom Schultz doing his job, which is which is great. But I, I look for that extra step. Um, and I don't consider Tom Stewart as a top six defender right now. Be interesting to see how he goes against Richmond this week. That's probably the true test, I would reckon. Okay, speaking of the Tigers, Basher Hawley, break even of 99, 707k. Jep, any interest? Yeah, there is. Um, I've been watching him closely with like the byplay because I've got Jaden Short. Mm. And when Hawley came back, I was a bit nervous and all the rest of it. But they play very differently. So Hawley... Short stays at home a bit more, where Hawley pushes up almost to like an extra wingman at times. So, and he's very much a link player through that midfield mark kick. So, if they kick that dinky kick on the 45 just inside the centre square, coming out of defence, he's often running past for the handball receive, where Jaden Short doesn't receive the handball receive. Anyway, when Richmond play their game, their running game, they go to him quite a lot. Um, and they like the ball in his hands because of his kicking. So there's a lot to like. He's obviously a proven player, fantasy player previously. So the only thing is his age and some soft tissue risk. But, yeah, look, I, I think he's got the ceiling. I think he ticks a lot of boxes, so I like him. Yeah, and ownership wouldn't be on Hawley because he did miss the start um, of the season. Okay, on to the next one. We've mentioned Andrew Brayshaw a little bit. Uh, this season, break even 84, 699k. I think he's in that range to be a target jet. What do you reckon? Yeah, I really, really, really rate this kid um, in a football and fantasy sense. I would love to bring him in this week, um, and we'll see what uh, you know eventuates come lockout. But um, yeah, really would approve any coach out there bringing in Brayshaw. He's a he's a jet. So Brayshaw scored 100 points or more in his last three games. He's averaged 111.7 points over the same period, and season average 97.7. Okay, Jep, on to the next one. I think he's going to be a popular target this week. It's Josh Kelly uh, with Lockie Whitfield coming back into the team last week and Perryman coming in a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it appears Kelly is going back to his normal role as an outside midfielder and he did hit a ceiling game against the Crows in round seven, but it was a soft matchup. So he is priced at 674k. He's a break-even of 89. I think he's going to be a popular target. Uh, for me, it, it's pretty much a massive like. What are you thinking? 
Yeah, I like him too, um, with knowing that he's on that wing again. Um, and again, watching that game, just looking at their centre square set up and I was thinking, oh yeah, there's Whitfield, wing. Oh yeah, who's on the other wing? Kelly. Not bad wingman to have in its side. Um, and it just suits their style of play. So I really would be surprised if Kelly's moved off a wing again. Obviously, if injuries occur and there's there's a few role shifts, then it's different. So let's hope they can stay fit. But again, Giants play possession football um, and, and Kelly should get a lot of it. So yeah, like it. Okay, one player that's seen a significant drop in salary through a low score early in the season is Caleb Daniel. He's got a break-even of 94, 575k, Jeb. I think he should be a target. What do you reckon? No. No, thank you. I, I, any player that scores 20-odd in a season um, is just a no-play no zone for me. Um, I, I look for consistency. In, in fantasy scoring, and you're not going to get that from Caleb Daniels, so it's a firm no. Okay, so that was tough conditions against Brisbane at Mars Stadium, but he was tagged in that game. So, And we did see him get tagged last year, So, and that's where um, Luke Brevidge ended up moving him forward late in the home and away season. So just something to keep an eye out there for Caleb Daniel, but I still like him as a trade target at that price. Okay, another player to, to be getting it done this year is Stephen May. So he's at 547k and he's got a break even of 62. Obviously, he had that eye issue early in the year and has seen a significant drop in salary. Um, he does have a ceiling playing that intercept marking type role, and that's what the Demons are doing between him and Lever this year. I think that should still say, stay solid with Tomlinson going out of the team. I don't think either of those players will be on a lockdown. They will maintain their intercept marking roles. Uh, Stephen May, 547k, break M62. Any interest, Jeff? Uh, not for me. Not for me, just with what else is available at the moment. And he's only tunned up once in the season. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, thank you. Not right now. Okay, on to Tim Kelly. If the Eagles wasn't tagged against Fremantle and put up a huge number. So he's got a break even of 92, 684k. Jeff, what are you thinking? Well, you can bet your bottom dollar that Alistair Clarkson's got a plan for him this week because... As dominant as we were in the midfield against the Dockers, all you've got to do is tag either the Gaff or Kelly, tag him out of it, and you're halfway there in in, in winning the midfield battle. So I think Kelly is a high-risk pick in fantasy because he's going to get tagged most weeks. Um, so no. Yeah, I, I agree. He's the number one tag at West Coast there. Okay, on to your mate, Darcy Parrish, still getting it done at the Bombers. Uh, Break-even of 69. I think I think the, the chances were that if you got him on him a few weeks ago when Caldwell went down and Shield went down, that was the opportunity to get on. He's at 707k now. It's a little bit inflated for me, even that I still like him. But break-even of 69, still going to make a little bit of cash there. What do you think, Jeff? You'll be in there. Yeah. Oh, flat out, no. Can't do it. Couldn't do it if you paid me. Um, mm. Nah, just just history's... I, I hold grudges, mate. You know that. So it's it's previous seasons coming back. So, look, he's playing his best footy. I'll give him that. And he's playing really well. And I hope that continues for his sake. You know, high draft pick, good development, good potential when he's, he's finally coming to fruition. But fantasy sense, no way. There's, you know, it's... Andrew Brayshaw way ahead of Darcy Parrish for me. 
Okay, just for listeners out there, how I set up the podcast and send it to Jet early in the day so we can talk about some certain players. I've got Darcy Parrish in every podcast. So for the remainder of the season, I'm going to mention uh, it and we'll see how, we'll just track it, track how he goes for the remainder of the season. Okay, so we're on to Christian Salem for Melbourne. I think you would know last week, I still like him, break even 77, 725k is now a little bit inflated for a defender for me. What are you thinking, Jep? Yeah, he he's ticks a lot of boxes for me, though. So he's got the ceiling. Um, he's a designated kicker. Melbourne are up and about. They look like they're going to have a pretty good season. The price is a little bit awkward. Um, but, yeah, look, there are probably better options, but I don't mind picking up some of them. I really don't. I, I think he's, he's actually a safe bet, as weird as that sounds. Okay, out of that group, I would suggest Josh Kelly is the prime target for this week as a trading target for many fantasy coaches as an underpriced premium type player. And if we throw in Aaron Hall there, uh, I think they might be the two top targeted players. What do you think in there, Jeff? Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, love Aaron Hall and what he offers. But yeah, those two players are, are prime for the picking. Okay, we're going to do a nine-pack. Thank you for the listeners for sending in players that they want discussed for this week. And it is time to play a like or dislike. Add a quick comment if you like, Jep. Okay, James Warple. So, Jacob O'Meara comes out of the team uh, through Saunas. Chad Wingard as well. Um, they are still a chance to return this week, so we'll see how that plays out. But Warble did see a significant increase in midfield usage. Uh, like or dislike, Jep? What are you thinking? No, just like um, opportunity through injury, through others through injury. So his role will go back to how it was, I would think. Yeah, I'm surprised he spent that much time out of an inside midfield role. So uh, we know he can score when he's inside. I just can't guarantee it with Clarko. And we know when he's in a rebuild phase, he does like to move that team around. So it's just got, you've got to be just aware of what's going to happen with Clarko for the remainder of the year. He's just going to throw players around everywhere. Okay, Shy Bolton. Uh, for the Tigers, playing that midfield uh, forward type role. Uh, he started slowly last week, but he got there in a big way in the end. For me, I think the scoring could be volatile for the remainder of the season, like or dislike, Jeff. Yeah, I agree um, with that last comment, the volatile scoring, so it's a dislike for me. Okay, Chankov Giaf. Now, he started uh, the season house on fire, intercept marks left, right and centre. Uh, as young players do, they start to... Uh, decline a little bit as the season goes on. I still think he's okay, but teams would want to take away that inner step marking role for the Hawks. So we've seen a little bit of a decline in scores for GF. I still think he's okay for a hold at the moment, but yeah, certainly one to watch. Uh, for me, it's a no for a trade target for sure. But yeah, for those owners, Jeff, what are you thinking? Yeah, for owners, I'd actually look to, to dish him off if you can do... You know, something pretty useful with him. Um, the problem is with a lot of these mid-prices is, again, they, they're up and down. They're just scoring up and down like yo-yos. And it is, they might be hitting an average over a four-game period, but their price is, you know, near enough the same. So it's frustrating. Um, and that's not their job. Their job is to score well and increase in price. So, yeah, you could offload him. Okay, on to Collingwood. Josh Dacos, we've seen an increase in midfield usage over the last couple of weeks. Collingwood are now 1-6 and six on the season. The season is pretty much over. 
I would expect Nathan Buckley for the remainder of the year to be chopping and changing around roles and to start to develop that list uh, the way it should be developed at this point of the season when pretty much the season is over. So I can't guarantee, even as I'm a Collingwood supporter, I can't guarantee that Dacos is going to be in there. Uh, hopefully we see players like Rantel come back into the team, McCray go to inside midfield. I think there are opportunities there for him to mess around with that team for the remainder of the year. Uh, so for me, it's like Dacos, it can score, but for me, it's a massive dislike for potentially volatile positions in that team. What are you thinking, Jeff? Couldn't agree more, mate. Dislike from me as well. Okay, on to Errol Gordon. Uh, started like a house on fire. He was fantastic early, generated a lot of salary. So uh, he's obviously in that half-forward position, and then teams have wised on to how good he actually is and started to put some time into him. Scores have started to flatten out. I think it's time to go. What are you thinking, Jep? Sorry, I thought you meant started on a house on fire against Geelong because he had donuts at quarter time. and uh, Just for the season, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I traded him out last week, so I was pretty happy with that. But then, yeah, he got to 60-odd. So, look, there's there's fight left in him. I, whether they rest him or not is irrelevant. He's got the ceiling and he's he's got the role, doesn't he? So he's he's one of those last rookies you upgrade or, or trade. So it's still a like. Okay, on to Lockie Hunter. Didn't really get there last week against the Tigers, but the Tigers gave it to the Bulldogs. So... I still think Hunt is a, a pretty decent price. We did say in the podcast last week we get a with his break even we get a couple of weeks look at him to see where he goes with his scoring and his role. So maybe it's another week that we look at him uh, to see how he goes uh, this week against Carlton. But yeah, it's still one to keep on the radar for uh, maybe next week. Jep, what are you thinking? I'm a like. Yeah, I'm a like too. I think you're spot on. But I didn't notice a role change with Dunkley out. So that was interesting. He's another one that I watched closely this week and will reassess. Okay, on to Lockie Scholl. Uh, another player that started uh, quite well this season. Uh, started to flatten out the last couple of weeks. Uh, he's a running machine. I think he gets up in the, down the ground quite well. Hopefully Matthew Nix keeps him in that, in that role. So his scores, so he can still take over the scores. For me, I'm still a like, even though there has been a couple of lean weeks. What do you think, Jeb? Yeah, I still like him a lot too. I think um, he bounces back in the showdown this week. Um, I thought he was chasing Josh Kelly instead of worrying about the ball. I think um, that match up against Kelly really worried him out of his own game. Um, so he will learn from that and bounce back. Lockie Whitfield plays his first game after his. Uh, injury scare this year so missed a lot of you know fine tuning with his fitness comes in he did say post game that he was sort of out of gas and he was a little bit tanked towards the end of that game so it'd be interesting interesting to see how he goes over the next couple of weeks i think he's a monster trade target uh through that buy period jip so for me it's a not yet but in that buy period once he gets a really good match fitness under him i think he's a monster trade target right then what are you thinking Spot on, and guess what buy round he's got? He's got, the, he's got the perfect. Yeah, yep. he's got the round 12 buy. So come round 13, you and I and many, many others will be looking at him closely. Yeah, he's the number one. So if he gets through unscathed all the way through and he's pumping out the scores, well, just, the only thing is it just hopefully he just doesn't go nuts because then you're obviously yeah, paying premium for him. So uh, if he can average 100 there for the next few weeks, that's perfect. Then trade him in straight, straight after his first buy. Okay, and the final one to hit off for the podcast, Jep Dan Houston. Obviously had that shoulders concern a couple of weeks ago. 
uh, came out on fire, but it was a little bit quiet last week. I th- I, for me, it's still light. So what are you thinking there? Yeah, was, he's got the role, doesn't he? Um, and and one of the better kicks in Port Adelaide's team, and Hinkley's using him to his advantage. So, yeah, like him a lot. Okay, uh, just a reminder, solo podcast on Monday nights, and that's a review of the previous rounds football. And on Tuesday nights with Jep, it's this podcast that will be posted out late on Tuesday nights. So again, if you would like a chance at winning a Plus 6 podcast cap, just retweet any podcast link that is sent out via Twitter. And again, once again, we'll be giving out some more at the midway point of the season. Jep, final thoughts heading into round eight. Stay disciplined with your trades, like we said at the start of the pod, and um, yeah, enjoy the footy action. Yeah, spend wisely and stay disciplined, and the bye weeks get all over those for sure. All right, Jeff, that's it for episode 81. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, guys.